fuck, what do I say again? Uh, whatever, say 150. Ah, uh, right, okay. Everyone chill. Good evening, and welcome to episode 150 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight, our panellists include 2014 store champion, 2014 regional champion, 2014 national champion, 2014 world's top 16 competitor, 2016 store champion, 2016 regional champion, 2016 runner-up of the nationals event, 2016 world's 17th place, top 17, 2017 regional champion, and the 2018 Warhammer Underworld's Shamed Spire Game Night Kit champion, Jesse Marshall. Hello. 2013 regional top 8 competitor, 2014 store champion, 2015 store champion, 2015 regional champion, 2015 Nats top 8, 2016 store champ, 2016 national champ, 2016 world's top 16, 2017 store champion, world champion of 2017, 18, 17, was it 17. 17. 2017 snake draft champion and 2018 store champion, Wolfie Horrig. Of course, it's my snake draft win that I'm most proud of. I'll leave the discussion of my decks for later. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, we also have the 2014 to 2018 best dressed man and netrunner and podcast aficionado, Hollis Echo. I, is this real life? Am I back? Well, this is awesome. Hey, Hollis, while we've got you, just for the, like, the part of the Venn diagram that doesn't cross over with the other content you do, do you want to mention what your other <laughs> podcast is? Yes, sorry. Uh, I am also a member of the podcast A and R Bad Publicity, and I get to uh, uh, pretty much every week. I am with uh, Chris Jameson and Alec Nelson, and we basically go through card reviews and deck discussion about the Netrunner meta. Uh, I also frequent the Peach Hack uh, game streams as a live commentator there for the Peach Hack. That's uh, that's Ben. Uh, is that Ben's? Thing? Yes, yep. Benjamin ben Torrell. Yes, Burrell. correct. I've been calling him Torrell this whole time. That's an embarrassing few years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and I'm uh, the uh, 2014 to 2016 winning agenda host, Brian Holland, also known as the Big Bad Wolf on Jinteki.net. Uh, Is that st- people still play that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm we sure they went back to. Uh, what was the other one called? Octagon. Octagon. Remember, Octagon? remember when Octagon wow. was better? Do you remember when Octagon was better? Do you remember that though? When Jinteki yeah. was not good and Octagon everyone was like, nah, play an Octagon instead, you know? Or whatever, you know, I however think people talk. When <laughs> Jesse and I started playing on Jinteki, like when we first heard about Jinteki, I remember they hadn't programmed Celebrity Gift. So when you played Celebrity <laughs> Gift, what you did is you typed out the cards in your hand in the chat box. <laughs> And then yeah, press your enter. Opponent believed you. <laughs> That's seriously how it worked. Yeah. Like, yeah, you no, had to do you. that. Yeah, um, I remember there being a problem with like the shuffler not working, or the shuffler being uh, like it just rigged, or whatever. I still don't think they fixed that because sometimes it's just bonkers. You know, my opponent just gets so lucky. Like, they just, you, oh, my agenda's every on magical t- line player ever. <laughs> the shuffler is so broken. Whoever the uh, Jinteki programmer is and has a lot of you, fix the shuffler, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, oh you guys are saints. No, you guys are saints. You're saints, truly. No, you're doing the Lord's work. That is work. just such a magic the gathering. I know, I know. And I, like, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be uh, well, I don't know, uh, early winning agenda, for those of you who maybe uh, not being DVTs, we did find a way to reference magic a fair amount of the time 
Uh, I'm not sure how much that has changed in the last 50 or so episodes since I left, but yeah. So oh, I still try and cram them yeah, in where possible. Yeah, cram it in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. So what control decks are you guys playing in uh, Netrunner at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, they'll get the pitchforks at that door, but... Uh, oh, I don't, don't want to upset Reddit. <laughs> Brian, you can't reveal that you actually have... Brian, you have to maintain the fiction that you you still listen to every episode as it's released. Oh, so. that's, that's a good point. Well, I do still download every episode, so you still get my downloads. I think that's what counts. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Anyway, how are we feeling? Um, it dropped a bit of a a bit of a cheeky uh, truth bomb. FFG did the uh, what's the name of the card where the rockets shooting at the uh, the tubby guy wizard? Boom. Um, <laughs> boom. Yeah, they 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 boomed us. Uh, FFG was a, a rocket, and uh, we were all wizard, as if we didn't already know that. Um, Hollis, <laughs> what's what's the hot take on the uh, on the spicy news? Uh, you, for those of you who uh, didn't catch it, um, I believe Wizards of the Coast uh, are no longer continuing the uh, license agreement for the Netrunner mechanics. I don't show how that works. I, I didn't think you could copyright game mechanics, but. Um, I guess you can to a point because uh, wizards definitely don't own the own the IP, um, and uh, yeah, so we can speculate all day about what's actually happening there. But the long and short of it is, uh, FFG don't have the uh, IP, uh, the don't have the uh, license anymore to do Netrunner. Um, Hollis, what's what's the what's the red hot take? Um, well, I mean, I, I personally find it a little, you know, not just a little. I personally find it sad, and that's you know because of the long range of friendships and acquaintances I've been able to make, you know, in the, in the last six years of the game's lifespan, specifically for me, the last five years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to necessarily say it's surprising because I think that we had heard a considerable lack of information about the game, um, less and less updates about things that would have been relevant to the competitive aspect of the game, or at least um, less frequent updates regarding that. And so I, it, it felt like something was off, but I, I didn't quite know that it was the game nearing its end. Um, mm. And I got I got a few messages from from uh, people I've met throughout the years that you know it's it's a very for many of them is very emotional. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I I think that's fair. I, like I think. Um when you're in a position like a lot of people in the community are where you have as you said you know made connections and uh friendships uh through through the game uh it is sort of sad to uh think of it uh ending um weird weird bit into my life when i was a teenager from uh i don't know it was about 15 to about 19 i, I played a lot of uh online text-based role-playing in in, and one day that the the company that that ran the uh, site just uh, shut it down and it really it really sucked um somewhat analogous to what's going on jesse what about you what uh, online text-based role-playing got shut down that uh reminds you of of what's happening now with netrunner uh, a few people have uh, likened it. Well, it's it's loss, really. Like, isn't it? It's people grieve over things that mean a lot to them. And I think anyone yeah. who invests time and money and energy and um, mental capacity, and you know, we all have a limited amount of time on this planet. And a lot of people have invested yeah. significant chunks <laughs> of the last five or six years yeah. in enjoying this game. And on on the one hand, you can say. Uh, we've all got a lot out of that because we've made a lot of friends and we've um, enjoyed ourselves along the way. And, you know, games are recreation and um, Netrunner and competitive games especially, and um, this sort of ties in really well to our podcast, 
are something a little bit more than that. I think to people, it's more than just a way to spend your recreational time. It it can become a way to uh, kind of extend your sense of self and your sort of pride in yourself and be really good at something and and um, test your mettle in the, in the same way that sport encourages and allows people to do that. So um, for those of us who've honed our skills and and tried to be the best that we can be at Netrunner, not just um, see it as something that we do in our spare time for a bit of fun, uh, it's disappointing to see that framework taken away because there won't be sanctioned competitive events anymore. There won't be um, something to strive for and play for. There won't be new releases to, to change the metagame up. So mm. I think people who've invested that much in it. I don't like using invest because it's kind of a cold word, um, but people who've put a lot into the game um, and, and tried their best mm. to be the best they can at it, uh, I think there'll be a lot of sadness and, and a fair amount of loss that they'll be yeah. feeling. And, right and I think I, yeah, I think what you've touched on there is, is definitely the, the what I what I see with it. Um, obviously, there's been plenty of people saying, you know, like, oh, like, ffg will no longer be making it but the uh the game is not dead people will still continue to play the game and i've no doubts that's true but uh the the sting that um at least the the subset of the community that we are a part of or that you you, you folks are a part of being the competitive side is is very much what you're saying because that's ending it really does feel in a lot of ways and i apologize if i'm being hyperbolic here but it does feel like the game is just ending and is not going to be played anymore at least to the degree that that we're used to um with with what you were saying of sanctioned competitive events wilfie what are your thoughts yeah so i think what's been said is true in a lot of ways like there are a lot of aspects of the game that you can take in different ways like you can focus on the competitive aspect you can focus on the community you can focus on creating content you can focus on toing you can focus on the flavor like anything like that and while it is true that some of those things will still exist in some form. The form that all of those aspects will take has significantly altered given this announcement. I think even yeah, even if you do say, oh, of course people can still keep their time and energy and in the game and still express themselves through the medium of the game, the 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 framework that that is in is really different after ffg has pulled official support and i mean of course this has happened before and you know it's not new i don't think anyone really expected netrunner to last forever but the fact that it had to end in terms of ffg's official support at this point means that it's a seems like a new era in the way the game and the community exists yeah no, totally uh, any other thoughts or a wild speculation anyone would like to engage in in regards to this particular topic oh sorry Hollis Hollis look up from your uh, Legend of the Five Rings deck list and if you come <laughs> back and bring your attention here mate would you mind I, I don't know if I if I have any I, I don't want to necessarily lead with um like wild speculation per se because no. <laughs> um, i feel like that that just leads to like all this confusion or i don't want to make a suggestion that i i can't add any like true relevance to you know like it i don't know if it's gonna ever be rebooted or if it's gonna go anywhere if there's any hopes or plans for anything like that i doubt it 
Um, do you do you, but, do you think that the uh, like we we've seen with like uh, the online leagues and and things uh, like like the player run Hall of Fame and and that kind of stuff? Do you think there uh, is uh, potential for the community to just continue the competitive aspect of the game in in the way that we know it now? So, hmm, something that was said a while back when we were looking at things like the the Android Netrunner player circuit, right? Um, it the the question or the reason for that was the community itself was wondering if FFG was supporting the the their competitive scene in an adequate way that felt great for players. Um, mm-hmm. They really gave them like recognition or noted their achievements as people that were uh, driving the competitive scene. And I think that the NRPC has really tried to stress how important it is for players to feel like their efforts, um, and even though I agree with Jesse, it is a cold word, their investment into the game is is sort of like a, a part of that recognition. Um, I think that there is going to be a, a certain series of players that are going to want to continue non-official, non-sanctioned events in an effort to keep the game alive. The difficulty there is, is that the community really loses the opportunity, I think, to kind of grow because the product isn't available. But then again, one could argue mm-hmm. that perhaps the existing player base, even with the innovations into Core 2.0 and things like Terminal Directive, may have not done a lot to drum up new players to begin with. So the core fan base of Netrunner uh, that's been there for the past few years may be the ones that remain interested. And they're going to be the ones that continue to push to have you know these fan-made events they help keep the game alive. Um, yeah, I think uh, Hollis is a couple of interesting things there. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Game of Thrones, as I've been mentioning a few times on the podcast, and I find it Game really cool. Yeah. yeah, I find it really cool that they have a fan-run world as well, um, and that's even larger than FFG worlds. And you know, is it really? I, yeah, it is more more people, and it's generally considered more prestigious to win it than what's, it what's is. that uh, what's that based on it's called is Starlek like... uh, you can look <coughs> it up um, no no I mean, I mean oh. uh, why, what do you think the reason is for, for is that because this is like a legacy thing like it's been running since the first Ed Game of Thrones uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry I if I'm boring everyone from my own notification here but no I uh, think that like a lot of the interesting parts of that uh, I think foreshadow what might happen with Netrunner because yeah, I think to a large extent it is a legacy thing. You know, I looked, I, I followed the coverage for a little bit of last year, this year or last year's event, and you know they have all these weird fan formats like uh, 1.0 cube. You play the CCG version. You know, you can do all these things that have lost official FFG support, whereas Worlds focuses more on you know the mo- more recent iteration of the game, and I think. There could be a similar thing with Netrunner where, you know, there's now that there's not as much distinction between original Netrunner, Netrunner pre-rotation, what we have now, and Netrunner with all the cards printed. There can be some more exploration in that space. And I think a lot of people have touched upon that, that it now there doesn't have to be a focus on the newest and best cards. And I mean, Hollis is right in that that does limit the ability for the game to grow a little bit, but it also allows for much more exploration in that space. Mm. And I think that's what's going to have to happen because with anything, like, a meta will become sold. So people need to, you know, look at different formats, like like the ones you were mentioning, 
and uh, you know messing things around. Like uh, like we used to uh, joke about when they announced uh, um, that Netrunner was going to rotate back uh, shortly after the birth of Christ. Um, we talked about um, how one day we would be cool to do like legacy Netrunner, where even the stuff that's not technically legal is still is still legal. So. And I'm not sure if anyone's been toying around with those kind of formats, but that kind of thing could be really cool and be the kind of thing that keeps the community going and the game sort of being interesting. Well, yeah, like yeah, maybe so. Uh, uh, and, oh. Jesse, that's, that's cool. You go. Yeah, I was just going to say that I think there are some great examples of community-run tournaments and formats and all sorts of things. And what it really requires is people to stay invested in it um, and to do the organizing work. Uh, and, you know, that might mean that there are some players who are interested in trying to keep that sort of thing going from each of the main regions that play the game or, you know, it doesn't even have to be that well organized, but just people who are willing to um, do the work of updating most wanted lists or updating formats or, and I'm thinking of the Seven Point Highlander that existed in Australia in, in I hate to talk about magic, but um, it, still exists, uh, it was a but... format... Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it still exists and it was it's not an officially sanctioned format by Wizards, but it's one that a lot of people really enjoy playing and the it has a points list which is similar to an MWL mm-hmm. um, and that's just managed and run by the community and there's a few people who take the responsibility of updating that list and and their decisions are binding and everyone just goes along and plays tournaments based on the, their decisions. So uh, I think as long as there is someone making the rules, I guess is what I'm saying, and yeah. that person is respected, then you can continue to have uh, a flourishing competitive scene. Uh, but it's where that sort of drops off or fades out that you'll struggle. So hopefully someone does come up with a... Um, a future fan run worlds tournament and maybe it could even be somewhere a little more enticing than minnesota yeah that'd be good <laughs> uh so moving uh, moving right along um to some more uplifting aspects of this sad news like what are some of the good memories that we've uh we've created in the time since netrunner launched in was it 2012 i was thinking about this this morning hmm. actually was it 2012 or 2013 I think launched. must have been twelve because they've said six years. It was years, late two thousand twelve, right? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, I remember we that. Got it. Go on. Yeah, sorry, Wolfie. Mm, we. I think we got it here in twenty thirteen. We got it here in twenty th- early twenty thirteen. Yeah, potentially. I think. Um, it, I think was it was it, actually late. Was it maybe Gen Con twenty twelve? Yeah, it was Gen Con twenty twelve. Yeah. I remember because the week I got Netrunner was the same week that they dropped the very first trailer for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. And six years later, after Netrunner's come and gone, they've now dropped a second trailer for Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> uh, and I was thinking about that today. So, yeah, no, it was... Uh, so, so, in that time, in that six years, fuck. Um, what, what are some of... The, I mean, apart from this whole thing, uh, well, any, anything in can, particular? Can I, perhaps, can I perhaps read out two of the emails that our listeners have sent in uh, oh, for yeah. the 150th? That's good. Uh, that, that might start this conversation going a little bit. Yeah, sure, um, sure. So, Michael Papadopoulos, thank you for sending your thoughts in. Uh, he says, with today's announcement, that is the announcement of the end of FFG support for Netrunner, uh, I feel you guys should really talk about the high points of the competitive meta over the years, maybe even dig out some of those rotation haikus you had us write all those months ago before we even knew about Core 2. Um, so what are the some of the high points of the competitive meta that you guys have enjoyed in, over the journey? Oh, wow. Okay, start with me. No, it's, it's perfect, I guess. Um, 
high points of the what game? were your favorite couple of decks what were your favorite tournaments that you went to for the for the metagame um uh, so i'll choose one that's like really old and one that's actually a bit more recent so the one that's really old just because of the uh, i wouldn't say it's a high point in the game but it was sort of an it was funny to me just because after this part of the game this id was never really played ever again uh cool. what i can't remember the name of it the nbn identity that is 4012 world is yours yes and that and that fast advance being so good in <laughs> being fast advance or more specifically astro script being so good that people were willing to just reduce their deck size as much as possible with basically almost no real ability on the card that did anything that that did very much just to make sure mm. you scored that astro script as fast as possible you, you reduce your deck size as much as possible um that was an incredibly blindingly fast paced part of the game. That what did that what did that dick do? What, what was the what did the plus ID one hand do? size plus one hand size plus one hand right. size? Yeah. yeah, it was like what what is this? Jeez. Um, yeah, right. and pretty much all you did was you pretty much either put two X or three X of bio, biotic labor. That was it. Yeah, that was your influence. That was, that was what you did, and it was it was so it was very simple. Uh, incredibly ridiculously fast. I, I felt like it was very mm. difficult to keep up at that point in the game if you were a newer player because you would just get you would you would lose so quickly. Um, I, I felt like that was uh, an example of when a, a lot of my friends began to join the game, and it was very hard to tell them no 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 don't don't leave just yet. I promise you. I promise you the game's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which mm. is I guess a cool memory. And and then the more the more recent one, or a more recent one, would have been um, the. The move to SSO decks after after been you know after waiting and waiting and waiting for a long time to see if Wayland's gonna have their come up, and I know that there's an argument to be made about Wayland not being that bad um, throughout parts of the game's history. Seeing Wayland where it is now, I kind of want to be one of those people that go finally, finally after so many years. I see a deck that isn't just like this. I, I see Waylon options that just make me say, FFG, thank you for listening. It took you a while, but you did it. You've got, we got, I see some great ice. I see great deck archetypes come out of Wayland. Um, and I see, well, I mean, we went what, like three, four years before Wayland had a way to fast advance infection. Right, right, right. Yeah. A long and time. So, so seeing that now feels great, even though we have <laughs> the saddened news behind it. Right. That's me. Yeah, and I think uh, even at Euros, which was the most recent tournament that's happened, I think Wayland was potentially the most represented Cobb faction. Uh, I read that somewhere. So that might be, you know, the first time in a tournament of that size, now that we're six years <laughs> in the game. Time to end the game. <laughs> yeah, good time. Jesse, all that bumming of the drum you did, really. really yeah. Yeah. Wilfie, do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, sure. I think uh, three moments stand out to me in terms of my experience with Netrunner. I think the first was when Jesse went to Worlds for the first time. What year was that? 2014. Yep, and we spent a lot of time testing. I remember we tested PAX Australia. I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but it's a like, uh, I'm sure convention. people know what PAX is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's a, like a yeah, game convention. Uh, you play game, games there. It's made by the Penny Arcade people. <laughs> um, if you need any more insight, you can ask the internet. But 
yeah like the fact that we sort of didn't really know what was going to happen when you went and then the conclusions that we had drawn whether they would have been borne out to be true or whether it turned out that you know some card that we've never heard of everyone is like oh this card just defines the metagame um and that's i think always an interesting aspect to the competitive scene and i think that's probably in my i think all three moments that i mentioned will have a lot of that where you know you sort of decide in your bubble what decks you're going to play what's going to be good and then the tournament is really just testing the assumptions that you've formed by yourself and within your own group so the first time that jesse went to worlds i think was a good example of that jesse maybe you want to talk about that do you remember yeah um i i do Uh, and that was um interesting because you know i just won nats with the the building a better world deck that i knew was pretty weak to a fair amount of the good runners uh but somehow came out and won that tournament and so i didn't want to take that to worlds i wanted to take something better and um wilfie had been playing this house byroid deck for basically the last couple of years fast advance it was very similar to um a deck that had won worlds previously but uh we'd it wilfie had continued kind of adapting and, and building on it as new cards were released and, and adapting it to suit the way he enjoyed playing and you know i kind of ended up settling on the idea that that was the best deck to take um you know as you say wilfie based on our own metagame and our own experience and at that time we were so much more isolated weren't we like yes. from yeah exactly the that, rest of the netrunner world you know it didn't feel like we were as connected it felt like we were firstly not taken as seriously um like if you posted that. a deck and said oh we're australians people would be like oh yeah you, you don't really know <laughs> what real netrunner um and there wasn't such a scene in new zealand like we've now got all these wonderful active strong voices in kind of new zealand australia all, all over the world um whereas at that time it kind of felt like um there were a very small number of people who were sort of proven um, players um but there was also not really a sense because we hadn't had so many high profile tournaments in each place, you know, the UK, Australia, anywhere, um, that there wasn't really a sense of how strong different metagames were. And that was our chance really to try and kind of put ourselves on the map a little bit and make a bit of a statement. And yeah, it, it was really great to feel that those decks worked. Yeah. And I think if, like, as we said before, if anyone can remember back this far you know there was no stim hack there was definitely no slack there wasn't even an engine techie like all our testing was done in real life by you know putting With cards paper in curves. yeah <laughs> so yeah like it really was a different time and i thought it was really cool just to have that experience of going and really not knowing what's going on and i think the other two times i'll mention where that happened was that nats the year after which year was that uh 2015 yeah, when the, we went one, to sydney. the one day top 16 where we went to sydney we stayed in a hotel it was like sort of fairly far out from the city we all stayed together it was in bankstown i was there recently uh, sorry yeah. i just yeah, remembered so, that yeah but yeah like we had a bunch of people that all played netrunner a bunch of our friends who all played netrunner we all went up we stayed in a hotel and you know 
Uh, some of us did well, some of us didn't, but it was just a really cool, like, you know, group experience, and I'm sure you guys still remember. Hollis might not remember as well, but I'm sure he remembers <laughs> a little bit. Um, Brian, that might be a good one for you to talk about one of your favourite moments in the Netrunner metagame. Do you remember what you played in 2015? I do, I do remember that. And, like, I, d- <laughs> I do, uh, I did like playing the, the, the deck you designed. Uh, fuck, it's on my wall. The Argus deck. Sorry, I had to look. Yeah. Uh, the How Is That Fair <laughs> deck. Yeah, that was, that was very fun. And it, it, uh, it was fun because, like, I won a bunch of games with that deck as well. Uh, like, that was, that was a good event. I was, I was happy with myself. Uh, but if, um, I don't know if I have moments of the meta, it would actually be, um, very close to what, uh, Hollis was uh, was talking about, um, which was uh, really early, like not not super early on, but like in 2014 when like NBN Fast Advance was bonkers good, and uh, like the first nationals that uh, I played uh, with you guys after a whole bunch of testing where I played Andromeda um, and and made the top eight, and I was playing that Andromeda deck, and it was it was sweet. Is, does anyone play Andromeda now? Is it not a thing? Did it, did she, I know she went away for a while. Did she she's come rotated. Back? Oh, she's rotated. Oh, right, of course. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> like she never she's came on the back lamb these days. She's on yeah. the lamb, yeah. Um, yeah, so you had a bunch of cards in your hand, and you like they're always relevant. You just like shout out like four cards on your first turn. You're like, yeah, sick. Now I'm good to go. Um, you could play Count Siphon and stuff. And the and on the other side, like playing NBN Fast Advance. Um, it was uh, it was really sweet. Like, and I, and I was always like, I know I was probably in the minority of this, but um, I never thought, apart from its prominence, that it was a problematic deck. I thought that it was really fun to play, and I thought that it was fun to play against because, uh, like, I, when I, when I don't have fun playing against another deck, it's when I feel like there's nothing I can do. And uh, if you had like a proper game plan against that deck, you de- there were definitely things you could do. Um, and yeah, I know I'm in the minority of that, but no, I really liked that when that was the the meta game, and I get that it was maybe a bit boring on the corp side, but uh, I had a lot of fun playing playing Netrunner then. Um, there was something well, else. I think um, yeah, I we we say. probably interrupted Wilfie's uh, 2015. Oh yeah, he's, he's got memory. other. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll think of my other thing. I was going to say. Um, yeah. Wilfie said he had three moments. Yeah, yeah. So that's okay. I guess. Yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about that one was, you know, we all went as a group and we all tested together and we sort of then played a tournament based on what we had decided, which, yeah, like... Except as for Jesse. Like, well... Um, no, no, we, but that, that was quite funny, actually, because <laughs> we were testing at, the, um, at our hotel the day before. Yeah. And I had two corp decks sleeved up. One was NBN Fast Advance and one was the Argus deck. Yeah. And, um, Wilfie, what was the other corp deck that you were considering playing? I wanted to play my favourite corp card. Like... Black Tree? <laughs> no, because, like, even after <laughs> my champion card comes out, which is a corp card, we still... This, yeah. This will still probably be my favourite corp card, so... Engineering the Future? No. Oh. Uh, what was it? I can't IT remember. department. No? Yeah. Was yeah, it no, IT department? Right. That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so okay, so you were you were testing that IT department deck and I was like, I, I really think you should play NBN Fast Advance. Come on, I've got it sleeved it up. I've got it sleeved up, you can test it. So you tested it, you were like, Oh yeah, this is so much better. I don't I can't think lose no, no, I don't this. think I did test it. I just decided to day. No, I definitely didn't. Or maybe I was playing it and I was like, I haven't been losing with this, it's so good. Yeah. And then 
you were like, okay, well, can I play that then? And I was like, sure, you can have this and I'll just play Argus because I really like it and I want to play it anyway. So it was good because it gave me an excuse to play Argus because I no longer had this other deck. <laughs> and you got to play the deck. You, that was, wasn't that also the tournament you played Noise last minute instead of Kate? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I did that yeah. as well. That was um, bad times. Well, yeah, I actually really enjoy I like that Noise deck as well that was around there and that really it felt like yeah. you know you're just doing silly stuff and it like always I don't know I, I can't remember exactly how it played I just remembered always feeling good while playing it um, but yeah well we got to play fast that was the main thing yeah yeah how good was that but yeah like it was cool because there were a lot of different decks you know we all came to slightly different conclusions as to what was good and you know we all did fairly well some better than others but it was like you know, we all came up together and we went to a tournament and we held our own. As a, And I thought that yeah. that was cool, that our testing process sort of paid off. And, you know, as I repeat a lot, that's sort of the essence of competitive play to me is in having a process and sort of iterating it until it works. And I think that segues into my last point, which, I mean, sort of unsurprisingly is about the year that I won Worlds, which was kind of a similar thing as well where we really had a defined idea of what sort of cards were good but it was really hard to tell what sort of strategies were going to be popular just because this was right after rotation and you really it was really the wild west in terms of what conclusions people would draw about the format and so Jesse, maybe you want to talk about this one a bit more? Yeah, I felt like it was our most successful testing in a lot of ways. Like, I felt like we got the most number of guesses right, or we had the most amount of information correct. Would you, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, to some extent, I don't want to muddle the process and the result, like, I yeah, think per- perhaps we could. I, I don't know. Just for me, I, I felt like um, there's sort of two stages to testing for me. One is working out. Well, there's a few stages. One is working out what is powerful, as you say, like what cards are good, and then the next one is what strategies and decks are good, um, and then the next one is what are people actually going to play um, in terms of the rock paper scissors dynamic, and what you know what should you play therefore to give you the best chance of beating the majority of the field, and I felt like we sort of answered all of those questions quite clearly in terms of CIs really good, um, different CIs are really good. Um, here's all the different uh, CI variants that we've seen and, and here's our ranking of how good we think they are and how prolific we think they'll be in terms of people playing them. Um, and I thought we got a lot of those guesses pretty good. Um, from my, pretty correct rather, um, from my perspective, the decisions that I then made in terms of the last step, like what what should I then play um, to counter that, didn't necessarily work out in terms of the matchups I ended up facing. But then in terms of what I saw across the field, I feel like even then, you know, obviously Alex did quite well with broadly similar decks and, you know, it was good. I, I thought our, our testing process turned up some great results considering that you and Alex both made top eight, right? Yeah, like it was definitely very successful. I, I suppose I just don't want to say... Uh, and as you've touched on, the fact that you didn't do so well might not have been a reflection of the process because of your matchups. And then conversely, we really do have to say that even though I did so well, it might have had to do with the matchups as well, right? True. 
but yeah, I think in general true, true. it was broadly successful and it was a really interesting tournament to test for because of a number of things, just how open the format was, how the time worked in terms of there were only a few tournaments beforehand and because of our mm. traveling plans, we really had to, you know, work out what we sort of wanted to play before we left and then the testing that we did there. And I mean, we had Jinteki for that one, spoilers, so <laughs> it was a bit easier than in mm. previous years. But just the whole way the process turned out was just really interesting. And I think that's such a cool part of competing in something and I really don't want to that I don't want that sort of aspect to be lost and I think that's why I'm optimistic because I don't think it necessarily needs new cards to be injected into the format for that pattern to sort of still exist no no you're right um, Brian did you think of your other favourite metagame moment uh, you know you know I couldn't uh <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I had something going on. No, that's all right. Yeah, no, uh, I'm pretty you, you sure. You touched on a couple of yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah that, 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 was, that was a good time. Um, Was it Kate, perhaps? Yeah, Stealth Kate was obviously Kate, great. Yeah. I liked that couple of weeks where I was playing that Max Reanimator deck that you and Shieldsy put together. Um, Yeah, no, I have, I, have, I have more good memories than bad. Or maybe I just don't remember playing the boring decks. No, I don't yeah. think you ever played boring decks. Yeah, you I tried. Played decks I, you wanted to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, most of the time. Yeah. Uh. Um. So my, I mean, I've obviously piggybacked on most of Wilfie's and yours. So I mean, <laughs> my my memories independently of those, um, I've, I've already had a fair go. So, um, but a couple of things very briefly that I wanted to mention were, um, the echoing your sentiments about. NBN early on and that um, sense of the game being quite hectic but the game plans being reasonably clear and that as the runner you had you knew what you had to do to try and beat that deck and as the corp you knew what you had to do exactly to to execute your game plan and I found that quite fun because the ways that you then gained advantage over your opponent were quite limited and but also quite clear and could be quite determinative and, and the way that that rewarded skill i really quite enjoyed like within the game um and that, you know when we say nbn hb also was playing you know a similar fast advanced strategy with its two three two agendas and, and that was Sansan less and, fun to play against because they had biotic. ice <laughs> they had good ice as opposed to nbn <laughs> yeah. who don't. um but i think uh in terms of how the metagame then developed from there one thing i didn't enjoy as much was that the focus on being able to score agendas quickly and actually have that hit which is something i really enjoy as the court being able to actually score an agenda and get it out of your hand and and, you know get progress your game in that way um that sort of went out of the game a bit with the way the design decisions went and it became a sort of grind where you'd eventually get the runner into a position where you could score up multiple agendas often, or maybe you'd sort of rush one out early and then rush one out, rush a couple out late or that sort of thing. I don't know. I just, it never felt to me like it quite 
gained the same, quite attained the same uh, tempo as it did during that period, yeah. which um, sort of annoyed me a little bit. Uh, the other thing I, I wanted to touch on at that point was I wish they'd brought up the other factions without necessarily taking away things like Astroscript, particularly on the corp side. Yeah. But I mean, that's just my own personal preference. And I acknowledge again that I'm in the minority there on that one. Um, but another one I, I wanted to really quickly touch on is Scorched Earth, because that for me... Uh, was a card that defined my enjoyment of Netrunner for a very long time. And while I'm now talking about how I enjoyed scoring seven points and consistently scoring agendas, I really also enjoyed killing people murder, and yeah. ending the game with murder immediately because, like, that, that feels really cool and rewarding. Now, um, Damon and Lucas, uh, Damon's recent interview that he had with uh, Run Last Click, he talked about getting rid of Scorched Earth from the corset and that uh, he and Lucas sat down and said, look, Account Siphon, Scorched Earth, the feedback we're getting is that uh, new players don't like those cards because they find them too swingy or too controlling or too difficult to play against. Um, and, you know, maybe it speaks to my card gaming background as opposed to the new players that they were getting feedback from. But when I first started Netrunner, I opened up the corset a lot of the low-powered stuff was the stuff that really annoyed me, and admittedly, <laughs> Core 2 got rid of a lot of that stuff too, and, and that was great. Um, but Scorched Earth was a card that I looked at and I went, wow, this has you know a reasonably difficult to satisfy condition to turn it on, um, but you get a pretty sweet payoff when you, when you uh, actually do meet that condition. And that, for me, was a puzzle that I really enjoyed, and it was something that I never felt like it was overpowered when it was played against me, um, but I really enjoyed trying to solve the puzzle of how best to meet that condition and how best to make it a live win condition in games. And I'm kind of sad to see that go. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I like, I like Scorched Earth a lot. That was a good fun time. Um, mm. Especially when the occasional bit where you didn't think your, your opponent just randomly had it and they weren't telegraphing that they were even playing a deck that had it at all and you'd just gone like down to two cards or something just because you're like, oh, everything's fine. And then they're just like, yeah, did that so ever so happen to you, Wolfie? <laughs> uh, look, I mean, I've never died to Scorched Earth, I've never died to Snare, and I've certainly never died to hitting Snare and then being Scorched Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's with the chumps, the chumps in the back. Um, the uh, we we do have another email on a slightly different topic, Brian, that I yeah, thought yeah, might be a good segue. Um, so this is from uh, Raja Dog. Um, he says to me. There is one key unique aspect to TWA that sets it apart from other Netrunner content. TWA has led by example on inclusiveness. You've gone out of your way to have diverse guests and panelists, diverse both in background and in approach to the game. Most other content producers have either a competitive focus or a casual focus, usually, usually without much overlap, but TWA offers a highly competitive perspective while also producing episodes about inclusiveness, community involvement, growing the game, or just featuring guests who have pet decks. You have guests from all over the world with varied identities and have taken care to show your audience that the community is more diverse than might be initially apparent from the competitive tournament scene. You always ask great questions, whether your guest is someone from a small meta talking about how to grow the game or a top-tier competitor like Cerberus, our good friend Dave Hoyland. Oh, by the way, um, on that, on that, he yep. is also the Crab Hatamoto <laughs> for Legend of the oh, Fire Oh, we know. Do you know that? <laughs> Don't worry. I saw it yeah, on the other day and I lost my shit. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to Dave. Sorry, yeah, go on. Um, yeah. <laughs> we all want to see the game grow and succeed, and I think you've been tremendous ambassadors for it. Thanks, um, and I hope you keep going for another 150 episodes. Uh, Raja, we would have loved to keep going for another 150 episodes, but um, more on that later. Yeah. But on the on the start of the of uh, that uh, submission or that email, um, the idea of 
people of different identities and um, people from different social groups who aren't necessarily traditionally part of gaming communities, which can appear to be white, male, and very homogenous. Um, Wilfie and Brian, you guys are both made a real effort to include guests from all over the world and from all different walks of life. Um, how does it make you feel to have that feedback from a listener? Well, Brian first, maybe. Well, we'll I mean, yeah. uh, it, obviously it feels it feels good. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to stray too close to the taking a gold stuff and not being an asshole range but uh yeah yeah uh like yeah it feels it's 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 good to i mean one of the things that um i've said before on the podcast and that i do firmly believe is that uh as as soon as it became apparent that we we had an audience and we, we definitely had a platform um i think it is a disservice to uh, both yourself and your, your, your fellow human uh, to not use that platform to, uh, you know, uh, encourage uh, change and inclusiveness. And uh, I think that's what we always tried to do. So I'm glad that um, people uh, felt that we, uh, that was the signature of, of the podcast, like a, like a, a really strong aspect of it. Um, uh, Wilfie can probably build on that a bit more. Yeah, I think that, uh, Brian, you're totally right, and a lot of the stuff that we've done in this area was your idea, and you did uh, lead the charge on that, not only in terms of with us, but a lot of the times in general in the Netrunner community. But I think that... Oh, I had a point, what was it? Um... What did you say? Oh my, my point was so good. <laughs> that it, you've got to use your voice for good. Oh, uh, yeah. When you have a platform, no? Yeah, so I suppose the f- fact that so many people like our podcast and there's so much support for our podcast and we really appreciate it means that, yeah, like, it's not... means that, yeah, it just made sense to make the podcast support the things that we care about and you know like the fact that we do care about this i think just means that it's obvious that this is a cause that needs to be supported and i suppose the actual work of going to the actual work of you know inviting people from all around the world and people with differing views and identities that sort of just comes naturally in no, that that sort of just comes out of caring about that so i think it's is i think it is important to recognize it but the fact that these different people were willing to talk to us and appear on our show and lend their support to us I think is important as well and like Mm, the two things really just went together and it just sort of worked out for us I think yeah so thanks to all our guests (laughs) that's one thing we should definitely say at some point who've ever been on the show um yeah you've helped to make it what it is and and grow the community so thank you yeah and especially I think the episodes where we've had new people on have really lent a different perspective and a different flavor to the show that I think Raj is is, uh, touching on in his email. Mm. Mm. Um, Hollis, did did you want to 
chime in on that at all because we have had a couple of um, guests from your neck of the woods, and most notably, I think uh, Ricky, your good friend, who edited our podcast for a significant period of time, uh, put a lot of time and effort that's into right. it. I met Ricky. Ricky's yes. a saint. Yes. Uh, well, you know nothing. You know nothing about Ricky Hollis. What? what what's he's up? A good, he's he's a good looking boy. He is. He's a handsome dude, right? He's yeah. just such a good-looking boy, and not a. He's like a. He's like he was like a new nerd, like because I met him at Gen Con when I was there with you, and right. uh, I was like, oh, so tell me about how you're a nerd. And he was like, man, I've been playing this game for like a year or, or like two days or whatever. And then yeah, so he just. It was it was really interesting. Yeah. No, so yeah, just shout out to Ricky. He's a saint. I like him a lot. Yeah, actually, believe it or not, Netrunner was the introduction to how he met my, uh, and of course now his entire group of friends. It was going to say girlfriend. No, <laughs> it was the, it was the individual game that allowed him to come together with everyone that we, that we had met and all engage in something together. And of course, that's a friendship that's lasted since then. Mm. So, um, you know, uh, shout out to Ricky. But also, I just wanted to point out that's another example there of Netrunner bringing people together and so on and so forth. But um, in, in regards to you know the the, the question from or the the feedback from Raja, um, I think that it's amazing that we've had the luxury. Uh, the privilege of being able to allow the guests on our shows um, to be as diverse as the cast of characters provided within the game itself. I think, uh, as Jesse had mentioned, as someone else had put it online, um, you know, out of the no- numerous number of characters, like only two of them are like white male, right? Everyone else is, has, is it, the entire cast of like IDs in Netrunner are very diverse. Mm. And it's, it's almost, you know, I obviously I think that when they were designing this game, when they were looking at the char- the the list of characters and the plots, uh, the plot for the game and behind the scenes, they wanted to make sure that a lot of demographics were represented represented and people felt, in, you know, uh, the game felt inclusive. And I think that um, they've done a great job of that. I'm really proud that people are fans of the winning agenda and they feel very comfortable as being able to. Um, uh, to enjoy our own individual platform and speak out, speak out, uh, and be able to make other people also feel included in the game. That's awesome. Um, I don't really have much else to add to that. I feel like you guys summed that up really well. And I, I agree with you, Brian. I feel, I feel very much like the, I don't want a gold star for not being an asshole. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm, yeah. but it is so, it is, it's very cool that people recognize that and that, that, you know, yeah. everyone wants a lot of other people to feel included. I think that's very important for growing the community. Um, and that also touches on, I think, another piece of feedback we had from a good friend of the show, Alexis Spicer, um, who said, I can't even begin to describe what Netrunner has done for me and how much it shaped the person I am today. In a way, uh, it feels like um, I don't even know who I was became, before it became such a huge part of my life. I very vividly remember opening the original core set for the first time after buying it for a friend on a complete whim. I had no idea what kind of game it even was, and I remember pulling the rudder card bag out first. I pointed to Noise, who I think was the top card, and laughed, saying, look at this edgy guy, to my friend, and I started flipping through the cards. I remember as soon as I saw Kate, I stopped. I don't really know how to describe the feelings I had when I saw her and read the card. I remember asking my friend, wait, can you play as this? I really honestly don't know how to describe what that feeling was. All I remember is that I didn't care what the game was like, I just wanted to play Kate. I remember so vividly the, fir- vividly the first game I played. Me trying to understand the rulebook or my friend made us illegal decks because he only had a few. T- he had only played a few times. Um, he put uh, accelerated beta test in the building a better world deck, and the game took forever because I was confused for most of it. The people standing around us commented on 
how whatever we were playing sounded really complicated. And I remember calculating my credits to have the perfect amount of money for a maker's eye while I had five points. I remember finally figuring out how breakers worked out on my own, worked on my own, and I remember stealing the winning agenda on the last cut of the access and literally yelling out when I saw it. So that I think sums up exactly what you were saying, Hollis, that um, the, the cast of characters on the runner side is so diverse and how important that is. Um, and I think Damon's touched on that on our podcast and on a range of different areas as well. Just the, the conscious effort that FFG made to do something a little different with this game. Oh, yeah, definitely. And actually, what, what's interesting to me is that Alexis's recap, you know, in regards to like her first interaction with the game, I feel like, you know, while genuine... I feel like there's a lot of players are also going to, you know, remember their very first game. I still remember my first game. I remember my friend Adam coming over, bringing the box, and he sat down at a table downstairs here in my house, and he said, this game is for you. You don't realize it yet, but watch this video that's on their site, and I'm going to show you how to play this game. And so I watched the video. I was like, okay, neat. And then we play it, and I will never forget installing ICE I didn't understand, I, you know, I didn't read the rules at first, like, you know, like a bad player. And uh, I remember installing ICE like it was an agenda, not, like, confused. I was like, is that, do I have to advance to res, explain? And Adam was like, no, no, you're dumb. Uh, this, <laughs> this is how that works. And when I understood it, and I remember I hit my first snare, I, um, when I was playing runner, I went, oh, this is cool. I get it. Yeah. Um, and the, it was like... It was weird. I could I could feel my brain almost like expand. Like the the universe to me just got bigger because I realized that the game was so much deeper than what I had had imagined. And it was at some point I remember uh, maybe around three or four games in after I kind of I was definitely I definitely understood the rules. I had already bought my first core set. I played once and then after I lost, I said no 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 let's restart. I want to try that again. No changes made to the deck. I just knew I wanted to try it again just to see if I could yeah. work this puzzle out to myself. And it was beautiful. And it, it was maybe the first time I think a game ever made me feel that way so quickly. Mm. Pretty cool. Yeah, there's something there's something really, really cool about the game and the mechanics and how they work, absolutely. Um, Brian, this is probably a very good opportunity to shout out to a, a good friend of ours, Sammy Woodland, who's been a good friend of the show and even uh, did a guest appearance on some commentary one time, I think, on our Sansan uh, video coverage. Um, but the first, do you remember the first time you played against him? Do you remember? How he installed <laughs> I do his remember ice? the first time playing against <laughs> yeah. Sammy. Uh, he, he, he said a few things, and I, I apologize to Sammy if he's listening because I'm going to try and do his voice as I often do when I talk about a Sammy story. But uh, he, he came to a. Um, uh, a netrunner tournament on a weekend at one of the stores we used to play at at Melbourne and uh, he sat down opposite me and he uh, was installing his ice um, vertically not horizontally uh, so the same as his assets same as his generous. assets and he sort of put them on top of each other so it looked oh, so, uh, and like uh, I would just be kind of like he would res them and like he'd turn them because so, obviously the, if the, so he could and then he would turn his head to read the card because you know the because you know and i would just reach over and just turn it like turn the card and he'd be like oh thanks and then he'd read it and then he'd put it back to how it was and uh, <laughs> just it was just silly he was just silly he's like he's like i don't know he just wasn't wasn't putting them up properly and we finished the first game and uh this i had my i had my very intimidating nationals top eight 
Matt, and he said, uh, "Oh, where'd they hold that? Where'd they put that one?" And I said, "Oh, they had they had that here." He's like, "Oh, okay." And then, oh, when did you build your decks? And I, I said, "Oh, I know some guy on the internet built them." He's like, "Ah, oh, so these are internet decks, are they? You know, this is already looking down <laughs> my nose at my net decking filthiness." Uh, but yeah, no, it was a good. Those it's, uh, Sammy and I are, uh, are very good friends now, and I'm uh, not to say we weren't getting off to a good start there, but uh, no, it's, uh, again, building. It's also worth pointing out. That there's some level of irony in Sammy looking down his nose at someone for net decking. <laughs> 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 like, is there a more prolific net decker than, yeah. you know than Sammy? Couldn't possibly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe sh- shout out also to uh, for being a, a great friend of the show. Do we not using his uh, pseudonym? I thought he really sorry, uh, Crush Guava, yeah. aka Arga Ar- Snake. Just, just bleep out the uh, bleep out his real name. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, another piece of feedback uh, that I wanted to mention briefly, Wilfie, um, and this touches on one of your favourite memories, is from Mark Blackman from New Zealand. It says, uh, "Hi guys, there are a lot of reasons why a show rocks, but if I had to pick one, it would be that the whole team bringing the down under professional presence to Worlds multiple times, and for bringing back the championship title. So happy for you guys from the other side of the Tasman, from Mark, aka Zwabo. How does that one? Does that um, warm your cold biroid heart a little bit, Wilfie? Yeah, that's a very nice thing to say. Um, <laughs> We yeah, we, we definitely do try to do that. So I mean, not just you know uh, be professional and try and talk about things with the manner that they deserve to be talked about, but also try and win. We do both of those things. How would you describe uh, your feelings toward winning, Wolfie? Uh, I like it. I think yeah. uh, <laughs> winning so good. Uh, um, and I should have mentioned at the beginning, Brian, when you did those wonderful intros in the vintage Brian style, yeah. um, that another piece of feedback we had from the very own Spags was um, thinking back on the most consistent car- podcast in Android Netrunner, one of my more enduring memories was the intro. <laughs> the listing of performances was unique. Uh, and brought a number of unexpected thoughts on it. What started as a surprising podcast intro turned corny as it continued, then became endearing and felt like a true extension of the competitive love of the game. I miss those intros, but perhaps I don't need to be reminded nightweekly that I lost to the eventual 2017 world champion. (laughs) However, maybe can we have a one-off return for 150? (laughs) So there you go, Spags. Spags. We did. Spagalicious. Spag is... is, I often uh, I'm going to put myself in the shit with everybody else I met at that that event, but I often describe him as the only other adult that I met at Gen Con. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean that I mean that in a lovely way, like as in Spags, Spags met each, and I met each other, and he was the only guy to sort of like ask me some like normal adult questions that you normally ask somebody when you first meet them, which was really nice. Um, and yeah, he uh, messages me, messages me on Facebook about New Orleans every now and then because he and I both really like it there. But yes, shout out to Spags. I hope you liked your intros at the beginning of the the thing. Have we, did you guys ever get Spags on the show? Uh, Do we ever get Spags? No, on? no, I don't think we ever did. Like, what's Maybe. that about? That seems like an oversight. That sounds <laughs> like an oversight. I bet you what that so that email was about. He's like, they're gonna fucking invite me on after this one. I reckon, like. <laughs> Like, Maybe we'll have shit. to do some special things at Worlds to rectify yeah. that. 
probably should. Yeah, look, we're really sorry, Spags. And, and it might be a symptom like, of Spags that... just being so adult. Did, like, yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it is. We're like, oh, we don't want to bother him. He's, he's got, like, children and, <laughs> and like, a, a job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, anyway, uh, it's, yeah. that's a good point, Brian. That's right. Sorry, yeah. We should have had Spags on. What <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, other shout out as well that I wanted to do was um, and we're going to get to all of our Patreon supporters later on because I think it, it is worth us touching on what our Patreon supporters have done for us before we thank them all but the the first thing I think they did for us when we first started up the Patreon was give us a chance to buy some equipment like the microphone that I'm now using yeah, to record this podcast as well. yeah um, and uh, pay our hosting fees every month on Podbean that just get quietly deducted from our winning agenda account um but also give us the chance to run some tournaments i think the sand sand circuit is worth touching on as well because it's an example of what you guys were talking about at the start which is fan-made netrunner tournament circuits similar to the anrpc um but it's the sort of thing that's going to have to happen now into the future if we want the game to keep going and i didn't play in the sand sand circuit because i organized it will for you played and you know, we had people from all over the country um, participating and we had a reasonably large cash payout in the end um, to a player who had, you know, not won a big notable tournament before and um, just came down to Melbourne and, and, and slew and won. And that was awesome. So I don't know, that, that was a really fond memory for me and it's something that I really enjoyed doing and it was only possible really because of the support of our patrons. But did you want to touch on that briefly, Wilfie, and your experience playing? Yeah, so that was a really cool thing that we did and, you know, our Patreon supported and everyone who played and also organised the satellite events especially. Uh, their support was invaluable to that whole endeavour and I think it was a way to have a different sort of netrunner tournament where we didn't necessarily need FFG support and we didn't necessarily follow the FFG, uh, you know, store champs to regionals to nationals to world progression and that's, I think, going to be more and more important in the future. So, yeah, I think that was a really cool endeavor that we did and I think that similar events could possibly happen in the future as a way to keep the competitive scene going uh, and Brian another great moment for the winning agenda I think which ties into that because we gave them out at pri- as prizes at that event uh, but that was the team covenant tokens that we organized with uh. Zach so shout out to Zach and the team covenant crew because we know that you guys really helped us out by spending all your time and effort uh, designing those tokens and getting them made um, and you know thanks to the patreons for helping us to actually pay for them um, mm. in the end but that you know Zach and team covenant going out on a limb and making those tokens for us and doing all that design work w- was just awesome. It was really um, loose of them, wasn't ha- it? How, how did you feel about that? Who, me? Yeah, because oh, yeah. you were involved in yeah, that yeah, process. No, yeah, no. You know, we was, Skyped was, to Zach uh, and we had lots was, of emails was, back and forth. It was gas. They're, uh, they're a good crew uh, crew of uh, people. In the, are they in Montana? Is that what that is? Uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Was I close, Hollis? Um... Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> no, okay. All right, whatever. whatever. Uh, I'm picturing, I'm picturing open fields and horses. I'm not sure if we got it right. Uh, no, they're they're lovely people. I did, uh, I didn't get to meet Zach, but I did get to meet um, 
uh, his his brother Tim, and uh, yeah and uh, and Stephen Tim briefly at uh, yeah. at at Gen Con yeah lovely lovely guys who do a, a great a slew of content uh, and stuff for the communities across many different games um, so it was really good of them to uh, literally respond to the, our email about doing some uh, tokens uh, with each other in the affirmative uh, it, yeah. it was good and um, I. I gave out the last pack of those tokens at Worlds last year, so they lasted us really well, yeah. and lots of people all around the world have them and enjoy playing with them. So, yeah, thanks to the Team Covenant guys. Um, oh, there was something else I want to say. Oh, yeah, about them. Um, they were probably the first Netrunner content creators that I watched, um, and they were very much an inspiration for this show. So shout-out to them for those uh, pack review videos that they did for the first cycle or two as well because they were awesome and a big inspiration for our show. I remember, I remember those. I watched all of them. I remember, I definitely remember those, yeah. Mm. Did you watch my pack um, unboxing as well? <laughs> uh, man, woo, this is a great episode. Let me tell you guys. Um, it's packed, fully packed with a whole bunch of... I'm sorry, what did you say, Brian? <laughs> sorry? You should, uh, if, if anybody hasn't seen my pack openings they're buried somewhere on the twa facebook page go, go back and find them <laughs> youtube oh, I remember very, those. they're very funny yeah they're good if you got the joke um, they were funny otherwise they weren't very good and we got some very uh, earnest feedback about them <laughs> yeah, yeah no i'd suggest that you watch some um alpha magic the gathering <laughs> pack openings oh, that, that one too. <laughs> the first one's pretty funny without it um <laughs> I think the other thing that I would really like to you to touch on, Hollis, is um, from your perspective, which is different to all of ours, because firstly you're in America, um, and so you came and you came to the show differently. You know, we all cooked up this dumb idea of doing a podcast all these years ago, thanks to Brian pretty much prodding us and telling us it was a good idea. Um, but you know, you came to the show independently of that and decided that it was something worthwhile spending your time on and getting up at six in the morning and coming on and recording all those times, which was incredible. Um, firstly, why did you do that? <laughs> um, and secondly, <laughs> from your perspective as someone who's created other Netrunner content, you know, with bad publicity and, and Peach Hack and all those other things you mentioned, what is it about um, the Netrunner community and making content that you've enjoyed most? So, yeah, two-pronged question for Got you. Got it. Why did you join TWA and, uh, and, and what's, what's motivated you to do that and everything else you've done? Sure. Um, the, the very first answer is real simple uh, at first. It's that uh, it's because I met you. Um, <laughs> So that that first year at Worlds, that was, that was my first Worlds uh, like appearance, and I, like everyone else on the internet, was just a fan of Netrunner in general. But I had, and I I always said this, even as cliche as it is, I plugged myself in to every bit of content possible for the game. I think at some point when I, by the time I had made it to Worlds. I was listening to roughly somewhere between five and seven podcasts a week, or what in a month. Um, and, and I, I was listening to the content by those creators as soon as it was released. Uh, the short list would have been things like Netrunomicon, Agenda 7, Breaking News, The Winning Agenda, Bad Publicity, Team Covenant, like all, all of that stuff. Um, and Terminal 7, all of them. I, I was listening to every everything that I could. And it took a while for me to realize part of the reason why I enjoyed it so much is because I, lo I love the discussion aspect of it. I love the discussion of the game very much. So when I 
was um, basically um, when I was scheduled to play you, Jesse, at uh, at Worlds. Uh, I didn't, I didn't connect the dots because I, you know, I, I saw your name, of course, but you know, when you listen to podcasts, you don't think, oh wait, is this that person from that thing that does that thing? So I sit down in front of you and I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, this guy's from Australia, and then you put, you have the play mat, and I'm like, oh god, oh god, I literally was listening to this guy like yesterday, um, and it was, <laughs> it was very intimidating, extremely intimidating, actually. <laughs> Because intimidating play mats are the number one well, competitive. It's, it's, it's no, it, you know, it was it was no secret. The winning agenda, you know, very much was touted as the competitive netrunner podcast. That's if you really wanted to like look at the game from a competitive viewpoint. The winning agenda was the podcast that you listened to, and so that was the one that I was on pins and needles. When, the moment you guys dropped an episode, even though you were newer at the time, I made sure to listen because I wanted an actual competitive opinion about the game because that's where my mind was for the game at that time. And so uh, I was waiting with bated breath on every single episode. When I actually got to play you and we met after, you know, we talked a bit after the game, we took a photo, uh, and you invited me on a guest, it was, I was floored. It was awesome because I, I all of a sudden got an opportunity to be a part of something that I was a huge fan of um, in general that was producing content for something that I love. So it was the best possible fan-like experience you could have imagined. And I don't know if I ever really made that as clear, but I was an incredible fan immediately almost. And it's, uh, it's a bit emotional, but it, it was very appreciative when you did invite me on and we got to discuss the game. And it was even more like emotional when you invited me. Uh, I think I remember you kept saying guest, guest guest and i was just so excited to even be on the on the episode i didn't realize when you had dropped the guest until you made it clear that you had and uh <laughs> it, it felt it felt amazing i got off when we recorded that episode i got off and then i was like this is so fucking cool um <laughs> but yeah no uh well I, yeah i think at the time hollis you know i was obviously messaging these guys um from america you know when i was at worlds and you know talking about the time that i was having and I think I posted that photo of you and me together. And I was like, I just played this really lovely guy. He's the nicest guy of all time. He's so lovely. We have to get him on the show. And everyone was just getting around it. Everyone was <laughs> really in love with Hollis. Everyone was just like, do yeah. it. It was like, became like, we almost like memed just uh, within yeah. the four of us. It was like, it was for a few weeks there, it was like, oh, we win the game for Hollis, man. We'll do it for Hollis. <laughs> you know, like, oh we God. didn't know who the fuck you were. It was yeah, good. I think our uh, Facebook group chat was actually cool. called the uh, Hollis Appreciation yeah, yeah, Society. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Hollis Appreciation Society, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, we were, we were fans too. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And, I mean, the, the other... And then, of course, the reason why I jumped into all the other content is after... Uh, being officially a part of the winning agenda and talking about a talking about the game for as long as I did at a high level, I realized there were other things that I enjoyed doing very much as well. I really did enjoy talking about the game, sort of just casually. Um, and that stemmed from just being in my local meta. Someone would play a deck that wasn't necessarily the most competitive, but then they would we would have a discussion like they would you know they would play this weird offshoot of some variant and we would look at it and go well let's talk about it you know maybe it's not the best deck but how do we make it better in the existing card pool is a card that's coming out going to make this idea this gimmick better and i realized almost immediately when that started in my local meta i very i could not help but enjoy the discussion and i already knew i liked it but it became the new passion so much so it's where i think i preferred talking about the game more than I did playing the game, which is really different. I, that's never happened to me before. 
Um, but I knew that I needed to continue playing, and I'd, I'd still loved competitive uh, the competitive aspect of Netrunner very much, um, because it helps drum up and generate that discussion, um, those little tiny nuances. So then I was I was fortunate enough to be invited onto bad publicity uh, with Jameson because Jameson and I had great conversations about Netrunner, and then it it turned into uh, being asked because of the the series of discussions it was asked to do commentary which then became the new passion like if i had to pick out of out of everything i've done in netrunner as far as like a content creator the most fun individual thing for me was the commentary on peach hack because it's live and it's active and i just love talking about what the players are maybe thinking or not thinking um you know without actively you know have, it's, it's almost like i'm playing the game but i'm only getting the vision from them based on the board state and there's just something very exciting about that um mm. so and you're, you're very good at it undoubtedly how could you not be with a voice like that Holly? thanks so, I, yeah. oh wow thank you i appreciate that <laughs> I, I will say this and i i want to make sure i say it before I, you know we move on to the more like final thoughts um it is an incredible thing to me to be someone that is a fan of a game and be a fan of content creators because to a certain extent I would look at what things like you guys were doing or look at what um, Bad Publicity or Team Covenant were doing and I remember saying to myself that has to be so awesome to be able to enjoy a game so much and just the start off is you don't have any money you know you have the equipment that you have and you just want to talk about the game and hopefully people enjoy it and they want to support it or maybe even if they don't financially support it they just listen the fact that any number of people whether it's uh two twenty or two hundred or two thousand take time out of their day to listen to the opinions and advice and suggestions or just shooting the shit from random people on the internet because they all have a common thing, they love a thing, is f amazing to me. Like, the, our, our Patreon supporters, our listeners, um, in not only the winning agenda, but in anything I've been a part of, has always been this super humbling experience. And it's even better to know that the people that I'm doing it with, talking more about, you know, you guys in particular, were in the same way how we talked about, you know, the Netrunner community being very inclusive, you were very inclusive with allowing someone who, you know, you had only met one time to come and be a part of something great that you were working on. And it was the one of the best things, I think, in general about my life. Um, oh, dude. Because I knew that I would, you know, even if it was 6 a.m., I knew that I could get up and I would be able to talk to people. I don't talk to anyone else from Australia, you know? So I would get up and I would get <laughs> to wake up at 6 a.m., and I would be exhausted, but I would talk to people from Australia about a game that I love. And no game has ever, ever done that. I got to make new friends with people around the globe. And it's one of the first few times in my life a game has done that in the way that it's done that. So I really do want to say I love you guys. And I really appreciate the fact that you made that an, you know, an, an option for me and let me be included in this and uh, allow me to contribute. Be you know right next to you guys delivering this content. That was all really long-winded, but thank you. Oh, that's really, really great, Hollis. Thanks for saying all that. I love you too, bro. That's good. Yeah. Uh, while you were saying that, um, when you talked about the number of people, like you say, it doesn't really matter how many people, but the fact that anyone is willing to listen to what we're saying is awesome. Um, but I did log on to our Podbean backend, and I just want to say, over the course of the winning agenda so far, there have been 376,000 downloads of our episodes. That is a pretty phenomenal number. I think none of us, when we were starting out, would have thought 
that that was the sort of number of listens that we were going to have on our podcast. And thank you, Brian, for the initial suggestion. And thank you, every single person who has downloaded one of those 376,000 downloads because it's incredibly humbling and it's what kept us going for mm. the, all these years. Um, Wilfie, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it is extremely cool that that has happened and that, yeah, everyone who's supported us along the way, whether you've been listening from day one, whether you're this is your first episode, that's fine too. And <laughs> yeah, like any level of interaction with us, really has made this project what it is today and i think in the years that we've done it we can't discount the influence of even a single person who's you know said something about us who's supported us who's given us feedback who's commented on one of our videos our articles our shows and just everyone along the way has just been phenomenal before we come to our final reflections, I'm just going to read through the list of our Patreon supporters quickly. And as part of our final reflections, I would like us all ideally to touch on some of the greatest friends or memories or ex tournament experiences that we've had along the way, because I think we've all made some wonderful friends and you know, the game has taken us places that we wouldn't have expected um, in our lives. So uh, we'll touch on that in a minute, but firstly, I'm just going to read out this list of names. So, uh, Firstly, Max Williams, who has been donating at the highest $20 pledge level for almost three years straight. Um, that is an incredible amount of support that you've shown us, Max, so wow. thank you. Um, Alexa Spicer, uh, James Lawrence, Richard Harris, Raja Doak, Marcus Daggerud, Jason Gessner, Ben Stein, Mike Harris, Ben Blum, Matt Totora, Les Milwayne, Colin Jacobs, Crushed Guava, a.k.a. Arga Snake, Chris Reed, Luke Simcoe, Windrunner, Luke Rule, Rachel Hodgins, Elliot, Alice Rees, Madison Lynn, Chris Demetrio, Bjorn Steffen, Michael Hoffman, Simon Dugard, Michael, Damien Glennie, Charlton Heston, Raina Winstall, John Chambers, Andy Haywood, Stephen Hanlon, David Sayer, Mark Blackman, Andrew Peary, Phil Ulrich, David Makara, David Murphy, Adam Hunter, Noah Coleman, Oguz Han Asnaz, George Collard, Horst Grobian, and Scott Brandt, and Vandy Lim, no Vandy Lim, uh, Christian S., Robert Masella, and James Sutcliffe. That's as far back as I can go for those of you who uh, pledged uh, or ended your pledging before uh, that cutoff, which I think was around August last year. Thank you also for your support. But wow, that's an incredibly long list of names and an incredible group of supportive people who've chosen to go out of their way to show that they appreciate our show. So thank you all. Yeah, yes. it's just... Oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, it's just incredible that so many people have thought that it's this is what they sh should be spending their money on and this is what they should be supporting and thanks to Patreon as well for giving us the opportunity to do that and thanks to the Patreon group, anyone who's ever commented, posted or interacted there because that's really the heart and soul of I think our community here at the winning agenda.
Thanks, guys. Um, so final reflections before we sign off. Oh, I think before we go to final reflections, we should mention that this will be the last episode of The Winning Agenda. Um, we might have a couple of uh, extras here and there between now and Worlds this year, which, of course, Wilfie's going to be going to. Spoilers. Um, but, yeah, this will be the last official scheduled TWA episode, and it's an appropriate number, um, 150, and now has been made an appropriate time for us to end it. Mm. Um, so thank you all, and... Yeah, it's very sad, um, but all good things come to an end. So, Wilfie, you first. Yeah, uh, as I said, it's really great that people have been supporting us for so long. And, yeah, when we started, we really couldn't have ever predicted that this would be the way that things have gone um, in the sense that, yeah, we couldn't have ever predicted that we would grow to such a level that you know, people from all around the world would care about listening every week and would be waiting patiently for the next episode to come out and would go to their stores and, you know, uh, talk about what we said on our uh, latest episodes. And, yeah, the amount of support the community has shown us has been just phenomenal and we hope that we've given some of that back to you. This game uh, as i mentioned earlier from the first time that i felt the first time i had that feeling that hollis was describing earlier where the game clicked with me and i felt i finally understood the mechanics and i finally understood uh, the meta game you know when you're first playing a game you're all lost at sea and then at some point it clicks into gear and you're like okay this is what my opponents could be doing um and this is the deck i'm going to choose to play and i'm going to fight it out in a competitive scene and you know that all happened for me in 2014 playing store champs and everything else and then the nationals win and um twa coming out of that made all of that mean so much more because no longer was it just a game uh, no longer was it just something competitive you know it, it was certainly both of those things something that i did in my spare time to enjoy myself as well as something that i tried to extend myself with um, to be the best that i could but it became also a space for me to enjoy time with really great friends and you know brian and i didn't know each other at all before we got to know each other through Netrunner and now we're really good friends. Wilfie and I were, were friends through playing Magic but nowhere near as close as traveling to the US together multiple times and you know driving around the east coast of the USA and recording 150 episodes of a podcast once a week together. Um, it's brought us together in a really really special way and we have a friendship that will last forever. Um, you know Hollis meeting you at a, a random tournament in in the usa and then like you say you know you chose to get up early in the morning just to spend time on skype with us hanging out and talking about a game we loved um and that means more than what we were talking about it, it it's the fact that you chose to do that and the friendship that we have um that is so meaningful and is what I'm really going to take out of it. When all the cards and all the data packs and all the reviews and all the arguments about which card's good and which card's bad fade away, um, what's left is a really great friendship and a really wonderful person that I, I'm glad to have met. Um, and to all the other people, you know, from Dave and Liz Hoyland, um, you know, Liz, Dave's wife, came with him to, to Worlds that first year in 2014 um, when there were not many other 
or any other English players, I'm not, I don't think, <laughs> that year. Uh, and we, they looked after me and, and kept me company and kept me going and my, my tournament buddies, both of them, um, through that tournament. And I was so, so appreciative for that. And then that experience had been mirrored many times over. Uh, by the time I went back in 2016 with Wilfie, of course, TWA was a lot more well-known and, and we had a lot more people who we'd already made connections with by that point. And the, the amount of happy comments, uh, offers of, you know, oh, here, I made this token or I made this alt art. Do you guys want one? Um, all those little interactions that we had in King of Servers just made those three times that I went to Worlds, so, so enjoyable. Um, and the number of friends that I picked up each time, um, you know, Hollis, Dave, uh, all of the Colorado people that we bunked with this time around, uh, and everyone else in between, it's just been incredible. So thank you all. And it's those friendships and the memories and the experiences and the, the crazy dinners and the crazy testing um, that we did in that horrible murder house that we stayed in um with the colorado crew this year all those things are what i'm going to remember so thank you all ah uh, yeah you probably, me, want, me, you probably want me to say something <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah you started it all so you can end yeah it. well yeah um i mean you guys have already really touched on some uh, pretty much all the stuff um uh, like at the risk of sounding hyperbolic making this podcast did really change my life uh, in, in a lot of ways it, uh, it like it brought me together with you guys obviously it, it it showed me that there was things that i really enjoyed doing when it came to content creation and just uh games industry stuff in general and it put me on a much more secure uh path to like in my future in terms of uh where i want to be and what i want to do um and uh like i mean obviously all of that is irrelevant because all our actions are predetermined as everyone knows but that's that's fine you still like it's experiencing it is a great i'm being, i'm joking but like yeah it's 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 really good like the the people have met like i was joking about spags before uh he's a really funny guy i've got him on facebook to people like hollis who we i got to bank bunk with you at uh at Gen Con in 2016, um, to people like uh, Damon Stone, who I now count among my friends. He was here in Melbourne recently, and uh, I met him up with him and his wife Kelsey both here and in San Francisco when I was over there for the Game Developers Conference in March this year. Um, truly lovely man, uh, very, very obviously prolific game designer as well. Um, uh, to anybody who came out to me at Gen Con and like like spoke to me about the podcast and stuff, there was a guy at the Brooklyn Strategist in New York where I went to play like a a game night kit, um, and I forgot my intimidating TWA playmat, so no one knew who I was, obviously. Uh, but there was there was one guy who came up and was like, "Oh man, I heard your voice, and it was like I was in the podcast or, or however he talks." Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was it was cool. It was just it was really nice. Like anybody who ever acknowledged what we've done is really really good people like uh uh was it raj who sent that email sorry raja yeah. people like raja who uh sent the email about how much the diversity stuff that we've done uh, has meant to uh like so many people we got an email from somebody this is a very long time ago and i don't remember his name but uh from, from a young father who said that you know and he sent us a photo of him and his kid it was just really really nice like um but I suppose the last thing I want to say is one thing I've learned over the last few years that it really did in, in many ways begin with uh, TWA was 
And it's something that is like not an uncommon sentiment, but one that I think myself and I think a lot of people have a hard time buying into. And that's if uh, if you want to do something, just like do it. You need to make it happen. Like you need to just... Um, everyone has a, a thought or uh, an idea or uh, has been watching TV at some point in their life uh, or listening to the radio or whatever and you've thought this person is not as smart as me i could do what this person's doing better than they're doing it there's every chance in the world that you're thinking it right now and you've got the ability particularly in this day and age like you've got a device in your pocket that can make you do this kind of thing if you want to and it's literally just making it happen and again with the risk of sounding hyperbolic if you do do it there's a potential for it to change your life for the better so I think that that's really the takeaway of what TWA was to me. I certainly wouldn't be, uh, I don't want to say where I am today because I'm still in the process of being where I want to be, but uh, I'm, I certainly wouldn't be uh, living the life that I am today. And by that, I mean, I wouldn't be as happy as I am currently, which is the happiest I've been pretty much my entire life. If it wasn't for this podcast and you find people who I did it with. That's awesome, Brian. Um, and I, that brings back two very brief memories I quickly wanted to mention before we do a very last shout out to Andre. Yep. Um, and that is doing that uh, p- framed play mat with all your uh, favorite ideas yes. underneath for your birthday. Yeah. That, that was absolutely one of my favorite things we ever mm-hmm. did on this podcast. So thank you for, for hosting. And um, yeah, I, ho- I hope that that stays on your wall um, oh, it's, for a while. It's still there now. I looked at it before to remember what Argus did. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is uh, we don't need to go into the content of it but uh, our good friend Dave Hoyland sent you uh, something really yeah. really beautiful uh, I, I, I was um, going to mention, mention that, that stuck with me a yeah, lot yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave, Dave sent me a very who I, I, I still have not met I think I'm the only person on this podcast who has still not met Dave I do really want to meet Dave but he after I wrote a couple of uh, articles um, talking about Tilt and basically sort of where my mental state was while playing the game uh, he sent me a very um, very lovely letter in the mail along with uh, one of his uh, one of his his UK national championship top eight playmat as sort of a gift um and that actually uh i think i've told this to him but um i it sits on my desk i'm holding it right now um because uh his last line uh in the letter um which i think applies uh, he wrote it to me but i think it really does apply to everybody who has ever had a hand in making this podcast um, he said, always remember you are having a positive impact on the lives of people around you. And that's, uh, I think, at the end of the day, when we're just hanging out here to talk about a niche aspect of a niche hobby, um, that's all we're really trying to do is, you know, just like have a good time and have a positive and do think something that is positive and warm and brings people happiness. I, I think that's honestly what, you know, we wouldn't do that if that wasn't our core intent. And on that note um, of positivity and doing something good, uh, I want to read another uh, piece of feedback that we had from a good friend, uh, Andre, who said, generally talking a little bit about some of the issues in Magic the Gathering at the moment with people complaining about social justice warriors and that characters are too diverse and they're trying to shovel this uh, politically correct so-called non-sexist stuff down people's throats. Um, He said, 
This speaks volumes about our community, as in the Netrunner community. We play a game where diversity and inclusion, at least in the story, and of course we would like to extend that to our player base, is a given. In Magic the Gathering, that seems to be something people are getting fired up about, something they see as values being shoved down their throat. I'm so proud of our community, of how mature we are, how supportive we are. There have been incidents and disagreements, but overall, it's just fantastic. My hope is that we can work together to make the game live for a long time, and hopefully in the future, there could be some opening for an official comeback. So my shout out is to the community and you, the content creators, and to everyone who has, who has played at some point. There is something intrinsic about Netrunner that makes me believe that the game will survive, not by itself, but the game coupled with the community will make it work. Um, and I think that's a really nice note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. So if you would like to get in touch with us, <laughs> you can send us an email to thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Facebook. Our page is The Winning Agenda. You can tweet us at Winning Agenda. Um, and thank you to all of our wonderful Patreon supporters who've supported us over the past 150 episodes. Uh, we couldn't have done it without you, and we're so glad that we got this far. Uh, I've been Jesse Marshall, here with Wilfie Horrig, Brian Holland, and Hollis Echo, signing off for the last time. Goodbye. Peace and love. Miss you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.